Good morning, good evening, welcome back to uh, another episode of Coffee with Mirko. We are plunging away, first coffee for the day, and uh, we're going to send an invite to our next guest uh, to hop on online with us. Uh, today is going to be Nolan Hirte from uh, Proud Mary, and uh, he's already in the house, so I'm going to finish this off, turn off the light, because we've got plenty of natural light, and uh, you're in for a treat. Coffee, got my questions, and we got Nolan, and uh, there's a few people in the house already. Ben from Teen Man, good to see you, big Ben. And uh, Finca, Alirez, Bruchak, Said, good to see you all. Let's bring the man on. Hey man. What's up brother, how's it going? What's up, dude? Good to meet you. Good to see you. Yeah, you too, man. I love the shirt. Look at that. Sticking out properly. Love it. I think... Oh, now I can hear the noise, yeah. Shark, this is the best part of your day. Thanks, man. Pakas, hi, Nolan. Sorry, dude. Um, no, I'm probably sorry, I, man. I had some tunes cranking in my headphones, telling me I couldn't hear. Um, <laughs> hey, how are you doing? I'm fantastic, man. How are you doing? You, you, know, you, you chipping away with, you know, being super busy. And uh, before anything... How's you and your family doing and the Proud Mary fam with the pandemic? How's everyone doing over there and over here? Everyone okay on your side? Man, we're doing really good, dude. Um, it's kind of obviously um, a massive shift for everyone and a um, huge adjustment and change. But, like, the, I think, like, uh, coming from Australia, like what we grew up with in Australia, our uh, culture is definitely roll the sleeves up, let's just get this done. Um, and so we, man, we never turned the lights off. Um, we just had to adapt. And he was, it's very different, obviously, living in the US, man, to what you guys are facing in Australia. It's kind of um, hard to see the end of the road here. Um, it doesn't look like there's a solution coming anytime soon. So we're, we're just trying to adapt to what we've got. Um, and, uh, I mean, when it, when, it, when it hit here, um, it was... Um, it was kind of hard to know what to do. The first thing I did was um, uh, repaint the wall, fix the wall, uh, reseal all the tables, and just started to clean the place, man. And, and it felt like um, I just need to put some love in somewhere and keep keep that energy in somewhere. And um, a week went by, and uh, I didn't, really didn't want my wife to have to go to the supermarket to go shopping. It's kind of like a little scary right now. Um, so I decided that we would start ordering in some fruit and veg, some produce, yeah. and see if the neighbours in the community would like that delivered to their doorstep. And, um, and then um, that, that, that suddenly like blew up. It was kind of like, 
you know, um, suddenly we had a whole new business, man. We were in the in the van delivering fruit and veg boxes, and then we're like, well, let's make some sausage rolls and let's make some meat pies um, <laughs> because they don't really exist here in the US, and so no one actually knew what a sausage roll was. Um, so we launched the sausage roll in the middle of the pandemic. Um, and started selling like you know 50 sausage rolls a day and then um at some point feels like about a month ago people started to feel more comfortable about going to the shops <clears throat> and that, that just started to that business just started to kind of like decline and uh we've got fortunately man in in portland we've got uh i guess like a, a bench seat in the front window and so it's a roller door that that comes up and there's a bench seat there with about five or six stools where customers would sit normally. Um, and we decided to turn that front part of the shop into a little mini cafe, kind of like walk-up windows. So we plexiglass it out, left a little um, little space for it, and then um, put a Lamazocco in there, put the EKs there, um, uh, three of them, of course, and then... Uh, Actually, there's four grinders. Um, and then uh, the fridges, the freezers. And started offering all the drinks and are now doing, like, um, a really awesome little takeaway business out of this window. And it's a really safe environment. Um, we're wearing gloves. We're wearing masks. We don't really have to have any contact with the customer. So I feel good about the staff being in a safe environment. Um, and the, and the, the community stoked, man. The fact that we can still feed the community and offer drinks for them and it's we're not going to do any harm or spread any um, anything around. Um, that was our main priority, man. You know. Um, That's super good. Yeah, for sure. Like it, it's crazy because, like, like you said, over here it's so different. Like I barely see gloves and masks. You know, it's like. Barely. Well, and that's probably okay, though, man. I mean, you, you have barely any cases in Australia, you know? Like, we're. 100%. Here, yeah, it's on some. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because my, 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 my family is all in Italy, so, you know, kind of more of a similar situation that USA compared to Australia. Similar in terms of percentage and numbers, but yeah. Yeah, th thanks for that, man. I think uh, it put things in perspective for Aussies um, how lucky we've been and we've given for granted. So I think yeah. that. The people who are complaining that, you know, they can't go to 50 people gathering, you know, we should, you know, take 10 steps back for sure. Uh, but, I mean, no, thanks for coming on on such a busy schedule. I know we tried to tie this up, but it's difficult time zones and you're super busy. Uh, you, you're considered one of the coffee pioneers people, especially here in Melbourne. Uh, but can you just give us a ooze on how did you actually start your coffee journey? Yeah, man. Um, it actually is um, 22 years ago, dude. Um, getting old, man. I, it, um, I, it, it, <laughs> I was in um, New Zealand in Christchurch and um, I studied hospitality um, at the Christchurch College. And at the end of that, uh, we had to do uh, two weeks work experience. And um, uh, I landed, uh, I did two weeks work experience at a place called Cafe Roma. Um, and that was um, washing dishes. And I made sure I washed those dishes faster than anyone else, man. Uh, <laughs> and they called me Turbo. And every two weeks, I got a job. And um, that happened to be um, a place that 22 years ago, 
uh, actually really cared about their coffee and was, you know, using Supreme. Um, I forget the name of the machine, old school, uh, Lass and Marco. And I think, I remember that it meant it was a plastic tamper those, those days, dude. Um, yeah, I remember those. I remember when the aluminium tamper came out, we were all like, whoa, this is crazy. Uh, and I learned to make coffee for myself. Um, and one day, uh, the owner comes over and he's like, hey, Nolan, um, if you want, why don't you make this coffee um, for the customer? And I'm like, well, dude, seriously? Um, okay, wow. great. And I was so excited, man. Like, uh, I had creative juices for sure. And um, so I poured everything I had into this cup of coffee just to make it the best coffee I possibly could. And I sent it out to the table. I remember going around, the, around to the back table and I'm looking around the corner and watching, and this lady grabs a grabs a cup of coffee and kind of like <laughs> eyes roll back in her head, shoulders relax back. I could hear a sigh from the other side of the room, and it hit me like right here, man. I'm like, oh, it's so good. Like that's that's something that I did, and I just made someone's day that little bit better. And um, man, that. That uh, love for uh, making someone a cup of coffee has not gone. It just hasn't gone away. I, I get a lot of pleasure out of it. And my role and my job has changed so many times in those, in those years um, and, and, and probably get pushed more and more to sitting behind a laptop or a computer. But, I, man, I, I love to get behind the bar and just make someone a cup of coffee and have a conversation and, like, um, help them feel... Uh, like love through that cup, man. It's, it's, it's really special. That's beautiful. And I think even the fact that you so vividly remember a memory of a while back is just such a, you know, it just tells the story. I think lots of us forget those little memories unless the meaningful obviously was meaningful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, just to add to that, um, that's how I got my start. Um, but the fire in the belly, uh, like where Proud Mary came from, um, it, it had to do with um, my first trip traveling to uh, Bali and Sumatra. And um, that would have been like nine years later, you know, um, and I finally got to see where coffee came from. And I was really upset and kind of frustrated and seeing how hard the, uh, the women were working, kind of how lazy the men were in, 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 in Bali in particular, it seemed like that. That was my impression. Um, Yet the men were earning two dollars a day, and the girls were earning a dollar, and it kind of like was just like, hang on a minute, that's not right. Um, later that year, we went to Sumatra, and there was twelve of us picking coffee cherries high uh, in the mountains above Lake Takanyon, sun beating down, hot, steep slope. Twelve of us for four hours picked coffee cherries and got about twelve kilos of cherry. Uh, by the time you dry that down and process it, it's like two kilos of green. By the time you roast it, you know, kilo and a half of coffee. Um, uh, one girl picks 70 kilos a day and gets a dollar for it. And, uh, yeah, my head just went, oh, this is fucked. And I got back to Melbourne and I was at uh, Liar Liar in Hawthorne. And a customer came in and she's like, $3.20? For a latte, I can get I can get that for two dollars eighty in Balaclava. 
And I'm like, well, you know what you can fucking do? You can go to Balaclava and you can drink that shit because you have no idea where it's going to come from. Uh, and we're trying to buy coffee directly from people and come from a good place. And so I, suddenly I realised I had this like crazy burning passion to help uh, change people's perspective on what coffee is and can be and um, try to become famous, try to become an industry leader, try, try to like uh, lead by example so that others would follow yeah, and then uh, sorry, I laugh because that, that um, I mean, it's it's actually sad. It's not you know, but I, I can relate to that because I've been I've been behind bars in Melbourne, and uh, yeah, I, yeah, I've heard that a thousand times at least. You probably heard it a million times, and uh, yeah, I get you. So, could you briefly tell us? I guess from there, that was. You know, the fire was already on because you said the fire was from that first cup in Christchurch. Sure. Yeah. You know, yep. but Bali trade just pulled diesel on top of the fire. Um, yep. So, briefly, what's the idea behind primary and anti pegs? And you know, great also to hear the stories behind the names for people. Yep. Who, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I worked really hard in the last few years trying to articulate what it is that we stand for and what we're about and um, what's our compass, what's our purpose. And um, I was able to boil it down to, to three kind of like key points uh, as our purpose, and that is to excite customers, make a difference, and share stories. And um, so we've been working really hard trying to um, get people excited about coffee, um, be really conscious about how we can make a difference and um, – and share those beautiful stories of where it comes from. And um, it's, it's something that, I mean, right now in a global pandemic, more than ever, uh, we miss feeling connected, man. And to be able to, uh, to just to be, I can't wait to be able to just hug a friend again, man, and um, connect with people. Mm. Yeah, 100%. I mean, coffee's fantastic, but it wouldn't be possible without the people and the community. I mean, from origin to roasters, from baristas to consumer. But I feel that even before the pandemic, we forgot about that. We put so much our eyes in a 45 degree angle, looking at the cup, at the jug, yeah, at sure. the texture of the milk. Um, I think that we kind of forgot the people a little, especially behind the bar. Um, and it created a little bit of a gap. I think that now more than ever after the pandemic, um, the overall experience of specialty, especially from walking the first step into the doors all the way to they leave the store, uh, combined to human connection interaction could actually save our industry because I think that we shifted away from it. Maybe it's the next new trend. It's hey, let's get back to people. You know, it's like, I mean, hundred percent, dude. I, I mean, we we were so fortunate um, in Melbourne to be early on the scene. And that was such a blessing, dude, to, to be able to be pioneers, like you said. We, we were. We were pioneers in the scene in Melbourne. And it was um, right right place and right time. And um, as it blew up in Melbourne, it became harder and harder for us to have a voice. Uh, the noise level just got louder. And everywhere you looked, there was a specialty coffee shop doing pour-overs and with weird, interesting names. Yeah. And what does it mean? And the customer's suddenly like, what, what do you mean, Gethsemane? And what is Margaipe? And what is a honey process? And, and it, it, like, it kind of, um, I feel like it almost lost the, the value a little bit 
and um, that is why I opened Dunning Pegs. I mean, for me, it was like, well, fuck this. Crown uh, Mary <laughs> is not just a, another cafe in Melbourne. It has a heart and soul, and it comes from a place that's, like, really special. And Arnie Pegs was uh, an opportunity for me to strip it right back and go, okay, let's just black coffee only, no milk, no sugar. Uh, and you know what? It's not about how many lattes you can sell. It's about how well you can tell the story um, and to be the ambassador for the brand. And so we kind of like switched the focus to just literally be on the coffee um, and the producers and where it comes from. And then we we'll started to change our focus to be around, well, how can we create educational experiences uh, for the consumer, but also the staff? I mean, it's, it's, it's so hard. I, I remember um, traveling all around the world, sourcing these incredible coffees and then struggling to articulate that and share that with the staff. You can, you can easily lose engagement with someone very quickly around coffee because I could fucking out-talk anyone on coffee. I'm, I'm eternally excited by it. Um, and uh, the the idea was, well, let's, let's like um, try and make it, interesting and engaging to explore what coffee is and so different processing methods different varietals um yeah and that's kind of how that came about and uh at some point um melbourne became um melbourne became like less interesting for me and uh, the u.s became really interesting um and i could see that uh, Melbourne was a, uh, had a shitstorm coming, man. We could see years ago, we were like, hey, uh, there are eight cafes opening a week. That's not fucking sustainable, dude. And it, they just kept coming. And they kept coming and they kept coming. And I was, uh, I mean, we, we got our mothership built and we were ready to open up more stores in Melbourne. And I kind of got to the point where I'm like, you know what? It's way riskier for us to sign a lease in Melbourne yeah. than it is to fly to the other side of the world and start all over again. And I think, because I, I used to work for Cafe Roaster for a couple of years, um, then obviously started my own business, but <clears throat> what I've noticed, because I used to be on the road doing, you know, car management and all that jazz, is that more and more what happened is a lot of, you know, Jane and Tom, who work both at a bank or as accountants, they go to the brunch spot on a Sunday, they count the tables, they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Then they're like, oh, 1850 for smashed avocados. I can do this better. I can put alpha on top and a slice of lime instead of lemon. Let's open a cafe. And it's not their fault because they got sold a dream by, you know, a broker or, hey, sure. Downtown saying, diversify your portfolio. Yeah. You know, all those jets and all, all of a sudden I feel sorry for them because it's not even their fault. It's like because of such a such a lot of noise that it's got louder and then you start forgetting to hear the basics. And unfortunately a lot of people got hurt and I've seen them, you know, the six, twelve, fifteen kilos of coffee a week and, and you walk in and you're like, shit, like this is real. Like, and then that's when it's scary. Cause like, I will never, ever, ever start a plumbing business. Cause I, I struggle to change a light bulb dude. Like, I, <laughs> like, and yet there's people who open cafes on a regular basis daily and they never even wash the dishes. Let's go back to the tour bus story. You know, like 
They never wash the dishes, bro. For, forget about making coffee being a chef. At least if you can make coffee, I'll say my, my general rule of thumb is don't start with a shop with a kitchen. Do something that you can make. How are you going to replace the chef when he walks away or she walks away? But if you can't make coffee and you can't cook, that's trouble, man. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is that for some reason hospitality seems really romantic. It's like, oh, that'd be great. Yeah, I want to do one of those. I want to have a cafe one day. Uh, and I might, I might get one for my wife. Um, and we'll get a manager and everything's going to be great. And the amount of times I've had to bluntly tell people, I'm like, look, please don't open a cafe. Don't do a restaurant unless uh, you have some burning desire to, you know, understand the why. Um, because you're going to work your freaking ass off. And I definitely have sacrificed uh, a lot in my life, man, um, for, for what I love. And, and that, that's come at a cost, man. You know, like I, um, my kids are growing up. They're like six and nine. Um, and I'm now only just starting to, like, realise I need to carve out more time. Um, I've, I've, I've poured so much into my work um, that I've forgotten a little bit about me, man. And it, it, it's just, that's the industry, dude. Um, yeah. uh, so, like, I'm, I'm super thankful and we're so blessed to be in it. But it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a passion and, and love. And you speak to anyone in the industry, man. Like, you speak to the producers, the guys that produce really special coffee. They are not doing it to make money, man. Um, they, yeah. they, love, they love it. And they want to, they want to hear our feedback and get enjoyment and to know that someone's enjoying it. It's, it's, a, it's a love thing. 100%. And, and I spoke, I was lucky to speak to Raul Rivera in Salvador, uh, amazing producer and farmer, and Joseph Brodsky, obviously from 90 Plus. And, you know, like, and I had private conversations with them apart from the live stream. And it's like, you know, nothing comes for free. Nothing. And, and, you know, like people, people think, oh, well, because they charge this much, they must be making money. But reality is that, you know what, the best, the best comment is that nothing romantic, someone wrote, nothing romantic about flushing drainage pipes with old milk uh, from Josh then. So I think, I think that, you know what, I think that sums it perfectly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Nolan, um, it's a big industry, uh, yet this is more word. In fact, uh, for instance, I just found out two days ago that a very good friend of mine, an ex-colleague, uh, started working at Antipax like a week ago. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, what do you mean? Like, I'm, I'm meeting, you know, virtually Nolan on Wednesday. And he's like, yeah, I started there. Uh, so it's such a small word. Um, but could perhaps make this big family, could we make it a little bit more united? I think that because of the noise, we kind of forgot that to stick all together with the, you know, the specialty fam, because, you know, we up, you know, we make such a smaller percentage compared to the big guys. And yet we find ourselves to fight and, you know, like, can we maybe reunite? Absolutely, dude. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny that you bring it up because I kind of felt like uh, I really had no idea what you wanted to speak about today. But um, <laughs> one thing that, like, uh, I've been really working on is how do we grow the specialty coffee industry? Forget fighting within ourselves, man. What's the fucking point, dude? We're like you said, we're a small percentage of the whole market. Yeah. And what's funny is no one actually fucking understands coffee. Uh, well, there's, there's a small group of us that are like, yeah, we know what we know what that is. We know what that is. You know, uh, you, you go to buy uh, 
a bottle of wine. And you know that uh, the difference between a Pinot and a Cab Sav and a Shiraz, you know, and how to navigate the, the wine aisle. You, yeah. you, you know, you go to get a beer, you know the difference between an IPA and a Pilsner and Stout. Yeah. You buy what you like. You stand in front of a wall of coffee. What are you going to do? No one has any freaking clue how to navigate what, what, do, what am I going to get and what is the style of coffee. And uh, I think as an industry, we've done a pretty shitty job of helping the general consumer understand and navigate it. And we focus so much on um, uh, who's got the freaking best and uh, not really lent a helping hand for people to come up. Um, yeah. And so uh, we've just launched here, man, during the pandemic, we've just launched uh, a whole new range of packaging um, in the US. And um, and it's, it's based around uh, grouping coffee into categories. And the idea is that uh, mild cool. to, to wild. Uh, so we've got a mild category that is uh, all in blue. Nice. Uh, and... Warm hug. That's all it says. It just says Brazil, Montequita de Minas, warm hug. And that is that is the style of coffee that is, man. It's going to give you a warm hug. It's a, it's a mild, easy drinking, approachable coffee. Um, in yellow, we've got uh, something a little bit more quirky. Uh, from Honduras. <laughs> it's it's, pa- it's Padanema from Abidio Gomez. It's a dope coffee, man. I mean, Padanema is definitely a bit more interesting. And then... Um, Quirky. And then, yeah, and then we can get wild, dude, and we're in the pink, and it's like full <laughs> noise and uh, things like loud as fuck. Uh, they're they're kind of like, we, we're basically, we put a little bar on it that's like mild. That's super wild. cool, man. I love we're that. Like, we're just trying to help people, uh, you know, navigate coffee in how it feels. Are you, what, what mood are you in? Um, and I, and it, I'm so happy that you brought up wine and beer after showing me, especially that package, because. It's safe to say that coffee is way underpriced. Yet there's people spending twelve, fifteen, eighteen, twenty dollars on a glass of single wine, on a sure. pint of beer, on a pot. Yeah. Um, but I think the beer industry is probably an interesting one. And there was someone making a comment there how they are outwitting us, and I think it's right because even in terms of packaging and look and feel, you know, I I don't, I don't really drink too much. It's just something that I, you know, I don't know why, but I don't really drink much, but here and there I do. Um, and sometimes when I walk into the bottle, of, um, I, it's just, I get these, you know, walls of amazing art on the, on the, on, on cans, especially lately I've seen some cool artwork on cans and I'm like, that's cool. man!" like, and I think that coffee, we kind of started that perhaps, you know, with the cool, you know, funky shit, and I think we kind of, I don't know why, but we kind of got stuck, we we reach a plateau when the beer company was like, hey, look at the coffee industry, they're doing that, let's do it. But perhaps we should look at wine and beer and start charging a little bit more for our coffee. Letting people know why they pay more for coffee. Sure. And I mean, go back on their art, you know, like... Like, teens, dude. Teens, you know, that's it. Um, yeah, that's amazing, man. In a global pandemic, um, people want to feel good, dude. And high-end, expensive products. I mean, you can't you can't sell a bag for like a hundred dollars. It's not going to happen. But you can sell a small tin for twenty-five dollars, yeah. and it'll freaking happen all day long. Um, yeah. 
so we, we we've actually also kind of like uh tried to find ways that we can raise the price man because at the end of the freaking day the only way that this industry is going to be sustainable is if the consumer pays for it the consumer has to put the money where the mouth is and if you keep trying to buy a coffee for three dollars dude um then that cafe owner is going to have to keep trying to buy coffee for under thirty dollars a kilo at thirty dollars yeah. a kilo in australia man it's going to be pretty mediocre coffee 100 percent, 100 percent. and i had a very similar conversation with mark dandon just last week you know and obviously he's, he's another cat who is all about pricing as well but what's upsetting is that i went back home about two years ago and uh back in italy and I drove two and a half hours to a specialty shop that's, uh, where, you know, I didn't drink coffee for the whole week. And I was like, no, fuck this. I'm going to drive to Brescia. And I went to Tostato and Alberto, big shout out to the, to the boys from Tostato. He opened this amazing specialty shop. Honestly, you walk in, you forgot that you're in Italy. Like, you feel like you are in Brunswick or Collingwood or, you know, like it's, it's, so, it's that good. Anyway, and we started drinking coffee and I started asking him a question on how much specialty roasted charging and whatnot. What was upsetting is that commercial coffee in Italy per kilo cost more than our specialty coffee in Melbourne per kilo in average. And when I started telling him some prices of, you know, where, where I was working, you know, the market in Melbourne, he could not believe it. I was like, nah, you're joking. Even with the dollar difference and I was converting and it's like, it's stuffed. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's a uh, it's a very different game in the US, too, man. I mean, we and we've kind of quickly learned that. One of the real uh, moments uh, in the pandemic for us was we obviously lost our wholesale business. All the cafes closed. Yeah, and so we really focused on the consumer and online, and that has been our push. And um, and we did uh, less less kilos. Um, uh, less kilos of uh, coffee, you know, uh, that we normally would, and made a higher return and more profit. And we're kind of sitting there scratching our heads, like, hang on a minute, um, what's going on here? And so, selling um, coffee direct to the consumer is actually like really interesting for us in the US. Um, and I think like we've been somewhat held held mercy. Uh, to wholesale and other cafes because there's a fear for them to put their price up. If the cafe owner could put their price up, 50 cents, a dollar, then they can actually afford to spend more money on where they get their coffee from and have something friggin' real. If you keep it at $3, yes, again, same same story. You, you just, you're stuck. And, and, and also to touch on that, we go back on the overall experience and the social aspect and connection because I think that we can't just pull prices up and maintain the experience and the service level where is that i think that we lost the art of service and people a little bit because yeah. we're so focused in the cup like i said before so i think if we put the prices up we need to have a higher focus on the overall service of the experience inside the cafe sure but what i love what you said about e-commerce is that with my customers what i've been talking to them on the phone is then the next 
12 to 36 months, e-commerce in any businesses is going to play an extremely vital role because guess what? Um, you know, Jonathan is an introverted guy and that's okay. And he hates going to the gym because it's too crowded. He learned now that he can do personal training sessions cheaper on Zoom on his living room and he can hop in the shower once it's finished. Same with coffee. I learned that now I can make a beautiful coffee because, uh, you know, primary tutorial video talked to me how to do a V60. I'm going to buy more online. So I think the online game is going to go stronger and stronger. Yeah. And I think the people who are going to get out there, especially at the very start of easing restriction, they want that human love and connection because, like, you miss a hug from your friends. They're going to value, hopefully, more that barista smile welcoming and love and nurturing in the cup yeah yeah Yeah, well i mean it is um uh it is an art dude and um getting uh coffee the thing and to taste good and have a different uh, offerings available and uh the, the way someone makes you feel man um and again like when you pour your love into making that cup of coffee for someone that's that's a special thing, man, and, and it definitely, um, it's it's worth something, you know. Yeah, and usually at the halfway mark, I ask this question. It's a bit out of box, but if you could choose, who would you like to have dinner with? Uh, that's an interesting question, man. Um, I, don't uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I'd love to have dinner with someone. Um, that is sitting in an interesting position of like uh, power or like, um, you know, some smarts in the world. I feel like um, there's a lot of technology out there these days. Um, and it's like uh, what, we're, what we're able to do with that technology is, is, is crazy. And I, I don't know that we're using it for the right things, man. So I, I kind of feel like, um, uh, I mean, I hate to say the name, but Bill Gates or someone would be interesting to have dinner with, man. Absolutely. There's no right or wrong answer. Yeah, I think that would be interesting. But it's the attack of Max said that he, you know, um, he's free. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Max a legend, dude. We love Max. Um, Now, just a quick curiosity. Um, uh, Before I say that, um, Elliot is saying, I think it's a great chance for the industry to be like, hey, look, a good flat wide should be around six right now, and people will appreciate the like you say. Yeah, I think so too. I think we, we, we're going to see some things after the pandemic for sure, and hopefully yeah. we'll best. Um, I actually don't know this uh, answer. Do you, what, what's your living arrangements in America? Like, do you live six months and six no, months? No, or you I've, I've been here for the, last, for the last three years, man. Um, so full time, I have my wife and kids here. Um, so we literally moved over and started all over again. And um, Australia, um, we've just got in- incredible people that have been like um, not just holding it down but making it thrive for us, man. And the the reason that we um, worked so hard on getting our understanding of our purpose and our goals was so that everyone could like get a real clear vision on what we stand for. And it's amazing when you um, – offer up trust and empowerment to people, what, what they would do with that. And so we're so thankful and grateful for, for our family and crew in Australia that have been, like, um, kicking goals, you know? Big shout-out, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think it, it, you know, I think 
It's like when you see kids and you're like, oh, they're such good kids. And then you look at the parents and like, oh, yeah, that makes absolute sense. I think, you know, you and your, you know, I guess for the senior career, good people and uh, they follow along, you know, it's like, yeah. Great to hear. I can see someone from Brazil. Big, big hug to Brazil out there, man. I mean, we love, we love Brazil, dude. I mean, just to put it out there, but um, we've always loved um, trying to help um, to show the, you know, the uh, the underdogs, man. Um, and um, even though Brazil are uh, the the biggest um, coffee producers in the world, um, people forget the level of quality that Brazil can play at, dude. And, I've been seeing some coffees coming out of that country that are blowing geisha from Panama out of the water, man. And it's um, it's so cool to see uh, that that has a lot to do with um, the level of detail and processing and care and love that people pour in. So, Heck yeah. um, big love, Brazil. 100%. I, I was lucky to cup a lot of Brazilian coffee with Charlotte when I was working uh, for, for Toby's. And yeah, it's... It, Blew my mind. This was two years ago. So, yeah, right. 100%. I agree with you. Um, well, I would love to ask you what you miss about Melbourne, but also, well, after, after a few years in the USA, um, what would you take away from the USA and bring to Melbourne? What is America in coffee doing better than Melbourne? Or Australia? You know, you know what, man? I, I think we're just learning really now um, – probably the, the online piece, the e-commerce, the direct-to-consumer and um, the, the supermarket, like the grocery kind of like space um, is actually really interesting in the States. I mean, there's 320 million people here in the US. Uh, it's very different to 24 million in Australia. Um, but being able to make coffee more accessible to everyone, I think that's... That's really cool. And as we learn uh, the ropes here, I really want to kind of probably switch our focus in Australia to um, to that space, man. I don't, I don't think um, like uh, hinging everything on just one part of the market for your business is smart. I think it's important to, to kind of like have a few different revenue streams. Um, and um, I, the way I see it, if we can um, grow our retail market, and direct to consumer, then that I'm not going to be held mercy to wholesale so hard. And then I'll put the price up. And if you want to buy a coffee from us, there's the price. Uh, and that's just how it is because I want to buy better coffee and I want to support the producers. And um, I don't want to be like uh, like forced to, you know, buy something cheaper and uh, with no connection. It's really important that. Um, uh, that we pay up and that we charge accordingly. I, I yeah, couldn't agree more. And uh, I think I was talking to Scott and uh, obviously Scott Rao, and he was saying, and I'd love to hear your take on it, that definitely he saw Melbourne batch brew culture quite weak compared to the USA. What, what batch brew culture? I mean, it, 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 uh, it, yeah, it's, it's a new thing for us in Australia, dude. Um, and you know what? It used to piss me off, man. I used to get really wound up when I'd hear like someone's doing batch brew in Melbourne. I'm like, fucking, what are they doing batch brew for? We don't, we never had it. It wasn't there. I mean, we, we were, we were like, it was literally me and Mark Dundon, um, uh, 12 years ago, um, that had the first clovers, um, in Australia 
and everyone was like, what the fuck's a clover? Uh, $14,000 to, to what? To brew filter? Um, and then everyone was like, well, no one drinks filter in Australia. Why, why are you doing that? And um, so what's important to understand is two completely different markets. Yeah. Uh, the, the US always had this culture for, for batch brew and it was not specialty. It was batch brew. It was... Uh, it was just a mug of joe and hurry up and, you know, a dollar, two dollars cheap. Um, in Australia, we, we've had espresso machines in Australia since the 50s. Um, the US didn't get an espresso machine until the, like, mid-70s. Um, uh, and thanks to Italy, man. I mean, uh, uh, right? And then, uh, so Australia was either instant coffee at home or at work, instant coffee. Or you'd go get an espresso. Uh, and that, that's been our culture. You, you couldn't go get uh, batch brew or filter. And when we introduced filter coffee to the scene in Melbourne 12 years ago, man, I started at $6 a cup. And, and it's probably going to take me 15 minutes to make it because it was like, um, it was not, it was not, uh, it was a specialty thing. It wasn't like there's just a mug of coffee. Um, yeah. And, I can see the challenges here in the US because people were like, well, why should I pay more for it? And why is it taking so long? And we've, we've intentionally put our prices up on pour over coffee here. And it, it would, the minimum for us would be um, $6 a cup for pour over. And it goes up to like $13, $15 a cup. And that's US dollar. Um, uh, I think that's, um, it's really important to, charge for the fact that something's handmade per cup as opposed to we're just going to knock a batch of this out and um, yeah so I, I used to be quite defensive about batch brew coming into the Melbourne scene because I was like well, why do we need this it's not like there's a, a, scene, a big crew of people demanding filter we had to work really hard to grow that scene um, and I, I, I really liked that we were able to charge more for it 100% and I think um, it's super it's super interesting you know the, the difference of markets it's just crazy you know it's just crazy even in terms of equipment because uh, like we we're saying you know like in Melbourne our batch for equipment is, is, is not up to scratch because right. we don't have that demand so it's, right. it's, it's, it's interesting you know like it's almost yeah, like yeah. a domestic item you know yeah. and that's so true um, and sticking with Melbourne I suppose it is still considered a capital of coffee where lots of, you know, USA baristas and from all over the world coming over. Uh, also thanks to your vision and, you know, all the cats uh, that we know the names of. But if you could change one single thing of, it, of Melbourne, what would that be? If I could change? One thing of Melbourne, coffee scene. Oh, man, I mean, it's, it's a bit hard for me to say because I've been away for the last um, few years. I, I think... Um, Oh, uh, off the top of my head, man, I feel like um, kind of that connection piece and um, how we how we help uh, bring people up and connect people to where coffee comes from. Um, that also ties to um, charging accordingly, man, for something special. Um, yep. I think if, if I could, you know, influence or change what the Melbourne scene was doing, I would... I would definitely say that I think pour over coffee versus batch brew is still relevant 
and we should pay we should pay more for it. Um, and it's definitely like something special about someone making you just that single cup of coffee. Um, I'm not saying batch brew should go away, but I think we should not lose not lose sight of um, just coffee in its raw format. Yeah, and I think I think you're so right when it comes to uh, handcraft. So, for instance, I'm not trying to give away ideas, but you see anti-pegs, it's done right in front of you, right? But not everyone has that set up and not everyone can afford to have, you know, uh, 12 chairs or how many chairs are there. But I think that I still haven't seen many shops, and I know there's a little bit of security issues here, but why, you know, there's a, there's a Japanese fine dining restaurant and they have what they call the table. That's experience, you know, it's like it's almost a round table, similar yeah. to, bags, and, you know, they cook in front of you and whatnot. Obviously, they charge more, but it's the experience. So I think there's still an element where, you know, shops could have the table where you sit down and you have a dedicated barista to pour for you. They would pay more. But if the manual brew is done in the back alley or in the kitchen and nobody see it, it's like, where's my coffee versus, sure. hey, I'm making it right in front of you. I'm yeah. grinding smell 100 percent, man i mean that you're right smell the uh what's happening in front of you it's it, it's the romance of it all that makes it so special dude and and coffee is such a amazing thing to celebrate and if you miss out on the aroma and you miss out on like seeing that happen it's 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 a loss dude um it makes me think of a, a restaurant here in portland um Nota guru and uh they've only got 16 seats and what's cool, man, they've only got, um, uh, I think it's one, one or two sittings a night. And basically, um, if you get the 7 o'clock sitting, you show up at 6.30 and you, you wait in the waiting room with everyone else that's going to have dinner. And so suddenly you're chatting with the other people and you, you kind of make friends. The next minute you're sitting down and there's, uh, I think it's about 18 courses. And they're little courses. Uh, but what happens is the chef, amazing chef, will place up those 16 portions for each guest right in front of you. So you're sitting there watching something happen. And there's that anticipation of, fuck, I wonder what that's going to taste like. That, look at that. The next minute, the chef is explaining to you what you're about to consume. Yeah. It's that care and that love and that attention to detail that makes that so friggin' delicious, man. And I, I can remember uh, eating some very special meals in Melbourne where we paid a lot of money for, but, and the technique was like off the wall, but it was over my head. I, I, I like couldn't even understand how it was made. Um, and so having that uh, someone guide you along the way, it's, it's a special thing, man. But, but also then you can justify pain a little bit more. Absolutely. I mean, I'd be like, hey, take, take my money. Take my money, man. That's it. It's like, because also, you know, uh, going back to Joanne and Jonathan, I gotta, you know, go to their friend's house and they're like, hey, we paid 15, 20 bucks for a cup of coffee. But then there's a story. Oh, there was a cute barista full of tattoos, uh, you know, with a special something, something, was brewing it. He told us this. Did you know that coffee comes from cherry? There's still people don't know it's a free, you know, it's a, and it changes versus 
even a meal, it's cooked in the back of the kitchen. Yeah. You're not seeing it. You're waiting. You're like, oh, it's taking longer than usual. You know what's interesting about that thought, man, is, is, is why. Why do that? And, um, you know, to show off, uh, to show that you're smarter or better than – man, that doesn't, that doesn't help anyone. But if you can do it um, to help change someone's perspective of how beautiful coffee is and why it's worth more money, man, that's a home run, dude. And when you come from that place, um, hey, let me, let me just help you have a better experience at home or right now. Um, it, it, it takes the, the wanker kind of uh, feeling away from what specialty coffee can be like sometimes, man. Yeah, and look, not, not to suck it up here, but when my parents came over to visit me, I mean, and you know what kind of coffee they'll be drinking, you know, their mom's favorite coffee is Illy pre-ground in a tin. Right. I'm not, I don't want to get sued by Illy, but, you know, that, you know that, that's, that's what she drank, and that's all right. Um, I took them to Auntie Pags for right. that exact reason. I was like, okay, where can I go that they're going to understand why we're going right. to pay more and yeah. do a flight? You know, it's like... I think we need more of those experiences than we might broaden the vision of more people. Yeah. No, I totally agree, man. I mean, it was, that was so much fun uh, building out that space, dude. That was like my um, homage to coffee, man. I kind of wanted to uh, help people just fall in love with coffee and to be able to see the whole process and the noises and the sounds and the aroma. Uh, it's, it's really cool, man. Yeah. Josh Stan saying one hour book table personal barista would be such a crazy cool concept for a coffee shop well watch out for watch out Portland <laughs> let's not give no too many ideas um, what um, what do you miss more about Melbourne what, what do you miss from Melbourne uh, I mean it, the the food the food scene dude I mean uh, the, the the culture um, we don't have the same range of culture here in, in in Portland. Um, I definitely, um, the Asian influence that Melbourne has, the, the, the Indian community, the Sudanese, the Greek food, the Italian food, man. I mean, so lucky to have that diversity. Um, and and that's what makes Melbourne so special, dude. And I'll always miss that. Um, the, the warmer weather and the sunshine, I mean that too, but, um, yeah. Yeah, because uh, I'm an expat as well, so uh, you know sometimes, yeah, there's things that we miss. Uh, yeah, and look, Melbourne definitely is a. It's been and it keeps being a hotspot, and I'm actually very happy to see that Sydney on my last few trips that I've done for work, Sydney's coming. It's come a long way. Yeah, yeah, a huge, huge way there. Um, Nolan, we talked and we had we covered so many cool concepts and cool topics. Uh, What's your coffee mission? What's my mission? Man, I mean, it's a, it's a lifetime quest, dude. I remember kind of like when I, when I like had that burning fire kind of moment in Sumatra, man. It was just to be able to make a difference, dude, and to kind of um, put a dent in the industry, man, and like um, really, uh, again, uh, change people's perspective on what coffee can be. And yeah. it's, it's such a beautiful thing, man. We're so blessed to be in it. Um, we, need to, um, we need to, again, pay what it's worth and, and, um, and charge what it's worth and, um, and appreciate its, its, its value and its place here, man. It's, a, it's an essential service, brother, you know. Everything else fucking shut down. 
uh, the community <laughs> needed a coffee, man. And it was amazing to see um, that smile on people's face uh, during this, during these kind of like darker days and um, just to kind of like, hey, guys, everything's going to be okay. Um, have a cup of coffee and like, you know. Um, so I would love to think that um, somehow we've made some small difference to that, man, you know. And well, all, all they needed was a warm hug. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> From Brazil. <laughs> uh, now that's amazing to hear. And um, I know Instagram is a cutthroat platform. You know, the shot is straight up thirty second alarm. So before that happens, and before I ask you the last question, I want to uh, hugely thank you for giving us an hour of your time. I feel super grateful, blessed to have at least met you virtually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm definitely gonna hit the anti peg scene because Max is there now, so I'm gonna there. Yeah. I've got an extra excuse to be there, and um, I, I yeah, thanks, thank you for coming on. I think hey, what you just share yeah. with us yeah. is just super valuable for people gonna rewatch it. Uh, people who are not usually on this time, it's just gonna be really cool, and uh, yeah, I feel super grateful for it. Um, I appreciate the, your work, man. No, thank you, Nolan, for sure, for what you do, for the community, for coffee, for Portland, for Melbourne, and for what you've been doing for the coffee family, really. Um, but the last question usually is, what's next on Nolan's planet? Yeah, I mean, well, before COVID hit, bro, we, we, we were planning to move to Austin, man. We had a, we had a site lined up and we're ready to open up in Austin. Um, and fortunately, we didn't sign the lease. We were right there, ready to sign it. Um, and then everything kind of blew up. So um, that, on the other side of this, whenever that is, and I, I, who knows when, that's still on the radar. Um, but in the meantime, we're going to shift our focus to online and e-commerce and um, getting coffee out to people, man, and trying to um, make special coffee accessible. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to come down to Melbourne anytime soon? Uh, maybe, dude. We've got a new uh, roaster coming to, um, to the roaster in Melbourne, so I'd, I'd love to see that get live and help with the install. That comes mid-June. Um, who knows, man, with this uh, pandemic in the US, if it doesn't go away anytime soon, maybe we'll, maybe we'll come back to Australia for a bit. Yeah, I, I want to see my kids go back to school, man. It's kind of hard for them. Yeah, I, I bet you. But I suppose... Uh, closing on a positive note, uh, granted the health and granted uh, basic financial, you know, for essentials, this has also been a good time um, for us to have an inner journey, self-improvement, but also spending time with our loved ones. You know, I think it's a great thing. And look, the best thing that I've heard about COVID-19, and I think it, pu it puts shit in perspective, is that if it happened three months earlier, Kobe Bryant would still be alive. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it just puts things in perspective and uh, some lives have been saved from car crashes and it, sure. it's just, we just got to start to think positive and stick together for sure, man. And uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, hey, we're, we're all going through some serious uh, inner changes right now, dude, and transformation and, and a shift and, that can only be a good thing, man. Um, as challenging as it is, um, that's the real work here on this planet anyway, man, is to kind of like stay connected and um, stay in touch with things, man, you know? We're doing it through coffee. Uh, Nolan, exactly. 
Thank you so much. I'll leave it to your family and all your amazing work that you do. Again, thank you. And uh, I hope to hit me up when you come down to Melbourne. Absolutely, man. Thank you, brother. Much love, man. Thanks, dude. dude. Peace, bro. Uh, there you have it. Uh, morning session for Melbourne time. Um, it's just, uh, it's just been very humbling and incredibly I'm full of great gratitude towards Nolan and towards all of you watching. Of course, um, if you enjoyed this, uh, feel free to reshare, retweet, do, do all the all the social stuff. We we're gonna repost this as a uh, IGTV because. Instagram, my Instagram has been cooked up in the last few weeks. Maybe I've done too many lives and Instagram is putting a, a handbrake on me because it doesn't allow me to reshare as a story. Uh, if you're new, uh, we had other interviews with other people. Um, you can check it out on the YouTube channel. You just type in Coffee with Mirko. Uh, we talked to, to, you know, to Tim Wendelbo, uh, Scott Rao, uh, this guy here, Brew Theory, that just commented, so Anthony, and a, a lot of other great guys. and. Everyone has a story. Um, I need to digest the few things that Nolan has talked about. I think that there's a lot of value in it and there's a lot of powerful um, lessons to be uh, learned. And I really feel appreciative for it. Um, so appreciative for all of you watching, all the people who are gonna rewatch these or re-listen on our podcast. Um, Stephanie, you're right, we got this. Um, you know, I feel for all of you watching from the USA. Um, I spoke to Lam Butler and Andrea Allen from, from there. Um, you guys have it tougher, so stay strong, stay safe, stay positive. And for the Australians who are watching or listening uh, or in other parts of the world, um, we're lucky that it's not as bad. Uh, we just need to keep it this way and feel, feel gratitude for it. Um, but yeah, tomorrow we are hosting Hugh Kelly. Uh, multiple Australian barista champion and he's obviously one of the faces of Honor Coffee so if you like to tune in for tomorrow uh, it's going to be 5pm Australian Eastern Standard Time uh, otherwise until then a uh, big shout out to Brew Theory, Anthony, Kevin, Stephanie the Coffee thanks for being here uh, all this time those uh, we go Elefandi, Oromo Coffee Beans, Kennedy, Jeanette Mojitaba, uh, Moj, Mojitaba, Mojitaba. Uh, so yeah, thank you all for being here and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, until then, just take it easy, be safe and uh, just yeah, spread the coffee love.